back in and how exciting are we actually is there this is it we're going <laughs> this is the most lackluster start I think we've ever had. <clears throat> I reckon this is this is why it's all falling apart because there's no more intro. The whole show was built on the intro. We needed structure. You guys told me you you said to me, George, I'm done with the intro, and I was like, no, the I don't believe to stay. And you guys are like, I remember that ever happening. <clears throat> yeah, sounds right. <laughs> sounds um, sounds about right. Okay. Some fictitious any version of reality. Well, another week in paradise. Uh, you know the it's a bit world like that, is, isn't it? Is what it is, right? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm just I'm, this year is really getting me down to the dumps. Uh, but anyway, listen, what whatever you know, episode fifteen, Fargo, Fargo film. I've wanted to for a very long time. And finally seen it. We're going to about it later on. Mulan as well. Something to do with Disney Plus. Yeah, whatever. Let's see how we go. Is my internet glitching out right now? It is. Yeah, you piggybacking off uh, Connor at the moment? <laughs> it sounds like okay. my internet is, my... is perfection right now, Ben. Thank you very much. Mm. I'm going to go sort this out. Um, well, why don't, why don't you me and Ben will, me and ben will start talking about what we've been watching. That seems like a good idea, doesn't it? <laughs> Perfect. Benny, why don't you go first this time? I think that's an God, acceptable thing. This looks like a, a scene out of one of those uh, one of those internet horror movies. Um, <laughs> he just never comes back. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll I'll start us up. Um, I uh, I had the pleasure of seeing two um, fantastic films on the big screen this week. Um, as we all know, there's not a lot of new releases coming out right now. So everywhere's just playing a bunch of, of old films. Um, the first of which I saw was uh, the, the mockumentary, This is Spinal Tap, um, a movie I haven't watched in probably a good 15 years and a movie I absolutely Very adore. Nice. What, what what that that, that was like widely quoted when I was in Christ in like, like year five, six, something like that. that. Like it shit. was back in the day. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm very happy to say that not only was it as good as I remembered, it might have been even better. I just had such a good time. Um, I had definitely had a few drinks as well, which which I I didn't have the pleasure of when I was fourteen, so that maybe enhanced the experience a little bit. Um, and I also watched uh, another musical film, um, Moulin Rouge. Uh, it's the second time I've seen the film, second time on the big screen as well. Um, I absolutely fucking adore this movie. Um, I never thought I would. I don't know why I went to see it the first time I went to see it. Um, it, it didn't strike me, especially at the time, as something I would be interested in. Um, but I just remember kind of being blown away by the the, the opening musical number in it. Um, your mileage would vary <laughs> on this film, you guys. I think you might uh, hate it in general, but I would honestly be shocked if you both of you didn't have some really... Uh, some good things to say about a lot of that movie. It's just so bold and brazen and filmically interesting. There's really nothing else like it. It's kind of uh, movie magic. Out of all of Baz Luhrmann's uh, movies, I would say that, and I've seen a surprising amount of them, I would probably mm. say that Moulin Rouge is my favorite. Mm. Um, Same. I, you know, his his movies range from like a good time to something that I like, I have a seething hate for and like everything in between. And uh, I guess I kind of feel as though that's his style of like, he's not gonna make something that really feels middling. It's gonna, um, you know, it's either gonna be pretty spectacular or, or, or pretty shit. Spectacular, spectacular even. Um, yeah. He definitely swings for the fences, that's for sure. Yeah, I do remember walking out of his uh, not prematurely, but walking out of his uh, movie uh, Australia. Oh God, you went um, to see that? I went to see that. Yeah, I think uh, from memory, what the reason that I went and saw it was this is when I was still working at the movie theater, and I was waiting for someone to finish their shift. Um, and I think we were going to go out or something like that, and and I had about you had four hours to kill, <laughs> two and a half hours to kill, something like that, right? Um, and the good old, the good old. Dog ate my homework. Fucking excuse, Connor. 
Oh, I had to wait around for somebody to watch Australia. <laughs> no, I just really wanted yeah. to see Australia. Yeah. Um, day one. You were there. It was, you were there. It was fucking horrific. I hated that movie. Um, which, uh, sorry to, to, to kind of uh, waylay your conversation about how good he is uh, with Moulin Rouge, which is true. Like, Moulin Rouge is, is kind of a classic. Um, yeah, I was very I find... specifically speaking about that movie. I have not seen Australia, and I have no desire to. Oh, I you've never seen Bas- it? No, me neither. Me neither. And I want to keep it that way. I find oh, that an, an odd, an odd director. Like he, I don't, I don't connect with his pieces, but I can, mm. I can see why people do because he is so distinct. So if you do get the, if you do, if you're into the style, I get it. But he is that distinct and atypical. I, I like, I didn't really enjoy the Great Gatsby. Like I've never Romeo, Romeo and Juliet as well. Like there's never been a Baz Luhrmann film where I've sort of ever championed them. You know, it's it's a bit odd. Yeah, it's his style, though. He is a bit of an oddity. Um, you know, The Great Gatsby, while I didn't think it was horrible, I, I, I didn't, you know, I've just said that he doesn't make a middling film. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it doesn't feel like a middling film, you know? Like, this is obviously him swinging for the fences, but I could kind of take or leave that film, if I'm honest. Mm. It's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a strange place that that, that film sits in for me i guess yeah anyway that um that was that was me for the week i thoroughly enjoyed myself very nice very nice what about you george dude once again man being more in creation mode i had a video shoot on the weekend for uh, another much more sort of horror-esque um shoot like a much smaller team because they're in covid and like we couldn't have everyone there. So that was a challenge, but yeah, again, I'm not, I'm in very much in creation mode. I would say this film clip was a lot of fun though, because it was very much inspired by Insidious and the Babadook. So when you guys see it, very excited for you guys to see it and hear what you guys think. But, um, you know, I, I'm definitely in this horror, horror film mode right now. And I need to get back into some consumption mode because feel like I've been in a lot in creation mode and I kind of need to keep topping up that well with, mm. with ideas and, and being exposed to new things. Um, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I've been thinking about the bubble duck a lot and, 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 and that film, I, I really need to give it a rewatch because I think I've only seen it three times, but it's so, it's really one of those films that I will go back to over the years again and again and again. For the foreseeable future um it just really really hit me in the spot if that if that's uh if i can legally say that on this podcast i just i like the idea that you know when i think about the babadook i think about um the the noise like the 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 thing saying babadook more than anything Scary. so i'm just imagining your film clip you know I'm, I'm expecting some pretty horrific noises coming out of that let's see Let's see. Anyway, listen, I hope um, I hope that this week I can watch a few more films because I finally got a bit more of a clear schedule for the first time in a while. So um, I'm excited to kind of kick back because that was really nice about Fargo this week. Mm. I just kicked back on the weekend and it was like, I need to do this more often, you know, because I've been doing too much. Yeah. Awesome. Check out that um, that other Australian one I mentioned last week, Relic. Okay. That'll be a good companion piece, I think, to Babadook. Relic, okay. Yeah. Um, from from myself, um, a watch. We were trying to um, we were trying to find something to watch that was like easy watching, maybe a bit of a comedy. And I hadn't seen a Will Ferrell movie in a while, so I chucked on Talahaga Nights. Um, Talahaga Nights. Isn't that what it's called? Isn't it Talladega Nights? Talladega Nights? I don't know. I, I kind of like called. the hag aspect. You yeah, <laughs> Talladega. Uh, I believe it's called Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Yeah, that's the one. That's, um, that's I never watched that one, you know? Don't. I mean, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's what I consider to be the worst of um, uh, Will Ferrell. John C. Riley. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, his style is really hit and miss with me. Like 
he very clearly has this way of performing where he'll just go to camera and say ridiculous shit for however many takes and then they just edit in the ridiculous things that he says and that's exactly what it feels like when you're watching it on screen it can be very like stunted and and kind of it Bad feels too. yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah. shout me about Anchorman too. It was such that bantery, like looper kind of comedy where it's just like we're getting this endless amount of footage and just snipping it together in the end of yeah. the day. And his whole comedy style is just saying saying ridiculous or funny or 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 shit like that. Um and I mean the for me this this movie just don't, doesn't deliver enough, right? Like there are movies that I think that he has done that 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 kind of works. Um, but I, I feel as though there's because there's a, enough of a backstory and there's enough of like other character development or whatever it might be. But, um, but yeah, this one just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't do it for me, if I'm honest. Um, so I watched that. Um, and I also um, watched uh, season eight of Letterkenny, um, which I've got to say, is one of the better seasons um you know that i've i've seen for that film or for that show um it's it's kind of surprising that this this show somehow maintains a certain level of freshness to it and um one that just makes me interested to go back and and check it out every time and they're doing a bloody good job of keeping me uh you know on my on my toes just waiting for the next season to come out um is there a finite end to this show or is it they so, said it's going to be 10 seasons or they alluded to anything of that nature they got renewed or they got contracted for 40 episodes i think when they were in season five and each season is like six episodes so there's at least another like four seasons i think on top of embrace so i think they, they've got until like season 12 i think i, I can't do the math specifically i don't know when they said that they were getting renewed um but yeah uh we're probably in for another like three seasons but these seasons are super short and sweet like they're all six maybe seven if there's a, a special episode in there bbc style yeah and 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 they they don't the the episodes don't feel over bloated um there's these like nice short sharp kind of character arcs that that take place over um over these seasons um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of continuity, um, around, around in between seasons, right? Like when they got renewed for 40, 40 episodes, they could start planting things that had longer, um, payoffs, which is something that they, um, specifically, uh, uh called out when they, you know, that, that happened in the creative process. Yeah. The, the seasons always end with a, like, really surprisingly engaging story beat like yeah. to hook you in for the next season it is not a show that you would expect the plot to ever figure into it whatsoever because it's just all like conversational based humor the the plot sneaks up on you in this in this show right because as you said mm. then it's it's all kind of it's bantery but like well-written banter and like mm. it's it's all about the kind of the 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 conversation um, and so when you kind of, when you look back at the show as, at its entirety, you're like, oh, there's some cool, like cool little story arcs. Um, I mean, none of the character arcs really take place with the main characters. They kind of remain somewhat constant. It's usually the characters around them that, that have the more interesting arcs. It's usually just Stuart actually. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And that's no exception for this, uh, for this, um, season. Um, yeah, nice. I, yeah. I, I've had I've had this one on the back burner for a while. I I I know I'm not showing it to you, Connor, but this show is incredibly special to me, and I'm just waiting for the right time to probably just go straight from episode one again. Uh, that's what I did. Mm. I've started like I I finished season uh, seven. Eight. I think I'm on my third viewing of it now, going right through because oh, yeah. it's so easy to like. It's so easy to go through. You can you can go through the entire like season in like two hours. <laughs> yeah, it's dangerous. Yeah, and and it is just that good as well. Yeah. Um, but that's it for me. One disappointing comedy and one mwah comedy. Very nice. Excellent. Got some stuff um, to talk about Mulan. 
Uh, we do. Um, seem, our, our, um, our news segments always, or our conversations and where they go always seem to be very prophetic because we always discuss something that seems to happen in the next week or uh, in the podcast when we're talking about it. It was sort of the case last week. Um, so no, uh, no more news on Tenet this week, unfortunately, but we can say that Mulan, um, which was in the hot seat as kind of the first big release uh, into cinemas, uh, is now no longer doing that. It's hitting uh, Disney Plus on September 4th. Um, in most markets in the world, it's just going to Disney Plus, not the theaters. There are some exceptions. Um, but the, the kind of the big talking point about this is that uh, unlike uh, every other Disney Plus original or movie TV series, um, you're going to have to pay a little extra for this one. And that is $30 USD. Um, a pretty hefty price, um, but at the same time, a lot less, like significantly less than most families would pay if they were to go out to a theatre. So there's kind of a, a lot to discuss with this one. What are you guys thinking on it? Um, is, 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 sorry, and, and just to clarify this, because I'm pretty sure this is correct, but you have to have the Disney Plus subscription first, and there you buy. So there's a, a two-tier payment set up here, as it were. And... Also important to note, um, it's not a rental. As long as you have Disney Plus, you have Mulan. Okay. That's clever, I guess. If you, mm. I mean, for me, I would rather, if I was, I, I'd rather wait for it to be on Apple, if I'm honest, and just rent it. Um, you know, I... Will that appear with this model, though? It sounds like it won't. I mean, I'd be very surprised if they just released Mulan exclusively on, like they'll do a, a period where they have it on Disney Plus, but if they only have it on Disney Plus from here on into perpetuity or something like that, that's a, I think that's a massive mistake. So that payment gateway will slowly disappear. Like, so that'll be in place for three months or whatever the release window is, and then that'll disappear. Is that, is that what we're all sort of saying? Or how, how could it though? Like what's, what's the incentive to, pay 30 bucks to get something you know it's fresh because it's three new. three months early it's like the same shit that we do you know to go to the cinema obviously obviously it's a different value proposition because i'm going to a place yeah. versus getting it yeah I, and i totally agree it's 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 yeah. we're comparing apples to oranges and if i'm if um, i'm going to the cinema i'm not paying 40 bucks to do it right like no. but um, if you got, and, and if i'm paying said, 40 bucks i better be in a really nice cinema you know, I, I'm, I'm getting all the, you know, bells and yeah. whistles with it. So I think, you know, I, I get that said, like a family of four, mm. you know, mum, dad, three kids, you know, that's $150, $200 exercise once you're all said and done. 30 yeah. bucks, not the worst. It's a steal, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you, you get it for as long as you have Disney Plus, which is probably going to be forever if you have a, a family yeah. like that. So I suspect that, you know, they'll do what <laughs> most of us will do, which is invite our mates around. <laughs> Uh, people that really want to see Mulan and just get it together. And then you can split the cost and then it's like 10 bucks each. And then like, it makes sense in that case. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I'm just the, the added $30 USD. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking about, um, you know, AUD. AUD That's like 42 bucks or 45 bucks. That's crazy. Yeah. It's like 40, yeah. uh, you know, on top of at least one month's subscription. So you're talking about just, 50 bucks just to see Mulan. And that's that crazy. is, that is, which, deep. which would be about like two adult movie tickets. Yeah. Um, for most places you go to. Yeah. But I'm um, not getting the blaring sound. I'm not getting the massive screen. That, that is true. And I think we're, we're definitely all on the same wavelength about that. I really feel like a lot of people though, uh, prefer the home experience. Mm. Um, I, I, do. I think you know. I'm I hear so much it. complaining about cinemas. Yeah, you know. But but even if we if we just so that that's a definitely a point that we should be discussing. If we even take it from a more bird's eye view, though, like what is Disney's strategic thinking here? Because they have a platform like Netflix. Like Netflix doesn't charge a payment gateway on top. You know, UFC, if we compare, I'd say this is most similar to something like UFC where I have my subspace subscription, I get all the free fights. But if I want to go the UFC 251 or whatever's coming up next, I have to pay the pay-per-view. So this is almost like a pay-per-view experience. And, and, and for me, I think that, you know, this is probably Disney just wanting a chunk of cash 
upfront. Like they are there, the theme parks are fucked. Their cash flow is really out of place. This is probably them. I don't know if this is a viable model for them moving forward perpetually. Let's see. But I think maybe I'm wrong, but maybe this is just them going, hey, people want to, you know, we know this is a huge tentpole piece. This is a massive release for us we can make a serious buck here. And with that $30, who else is taking a cut from it? You know, when the movie rolls out to cinema, it's 50-50 between the cinemas and Disney first week or whatever the, the split is. With this one, Disney's taking 100% of the profits. So maybe this is even just like a cash flow business decision. I'm not sure. Yeah, oh, so I think there's definitely is. a few things happening here. Um, one of them is they just posted their first quarterly loss in like 20 years. Um, so I could see the need for them to just want to bring some money in really quickly. Um, I think uh, to an extent, this is also just a sacrificial lamb testing the waters for this model because it, yeah. it is like, there's no ideal situation here. They can't, there isn't a world where they release this theatrically around the world and get the money they would have gotten in a much better looking 2020. Um, because if there was, they wouldn't be doing this because releasing this, they are not going to make anywhere near the amount of money they could if they released it in cinemas. Um, so they just posted a few numbers recently, some, some numbers that are a lot more impressive than I think we expected. They have, uh, 60.5 million subscribers since they launched wow. in November compared wow. to Netflix is like 200 million, which is fucking amazing. Way better than their projections. That is fast. Um, but on those numbers, if they get, I think I was listening to an estimate about how many people they think would actually purchase Mulan, um, at this price point, And they'd be looking at like a hundred million dollars or something. Um, which, you know, when you compare to real box office numbers is, is not good, especially not for like a $300 million movie or whatever it is. But it's, um, so box office takes into account the cut that, you know, or doesn't close. take into account the, the, yeah. cut that the cinemas take out yes. or anything like that. So, I mean, it's, you know, a hundred million is cost. certainly not... This should be like, think about all the trucks, all the infrastructure to get those DSPs out or DCPs, sorry, out to the cinemas. Like that's gone. All those costs and all those overrunning costs gone. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, look, so I, I think so I agree I think with you, it, Ben. There's, there's far less, they're going to get far less cash up front. Um, and, you know. But they're netting more. They're, so they're taking less, but they're taking more of that lesser pile. Yeah. Yes, but this movie was, for all intents and purposes, meant to be a billion-dollar film. Um, you know, just in that short-term period, it was out in cinemas. Um, obviously, the way <sighs> they're doing it now, who knows how long they're going to be charging for it on Disney Plus? They're potentially going to be bringing in a lot of new subscribers as well, because this is like the, easily the biggest profile thing they've released, apart from The Mandalorian, oh, um, and probably more so than that in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, every subscriber they get. I don't know what the statistics would be, but you know, every percentage of subscribers they get would be one of those person, people who just never cancels their subscription. So that's yeah. money they're paying for a lifetime on the service. So well, it, it, it's a weird situation, but it- thing, that's- Sorry, sorry, please continue. Oh, well, I, I just wanted to, to say um, just finally that they're really emphasizing we're trying to emphasize, and I think not fooling anyone, that this is a, a one-off, um, that all the other movies are still going to happen. But that is just so completely based on how they view the performance of this movie. Um, you know, anything could change at a moment's notice with Black Widow and, and whatever else they have coming up. Yeah. I think even, like, if I relate this to my day job, right, I work in a marketing agency in digital marketing. And we have two types of clients. We have project-to-project -project clients and we have retainer-based clients. So the retainer-based clients, we're invoicing them every month and we're doing work for them in debt ongoing, right? And then the project-to-project, -project, they come in once, they do the project and then they're gone. A little bit of a wonky analogy, but if I look at this here, you know, like, yeah, okay, maybe the box office, if in a project-to-project -project model, yeah, okay, maybe I'm going to get a, a, a bigger lump sum of money because it's a one-off. But if I get them on the retainer model, yes, I'm going to be making less month to month, but I'm going to have more predictable cash flow if they stay on for a longer period of time. So if we take the same thing with Mulan, hey, there's going to be a huge influx of people moving onto this platform. Yes, maybe the initial lump sum won't be there. 
But in a year's time, all those people that came on board for Mulan, you'd have to factor in that extra revenue because there's a driver there that is Mulan. Without Mulan there, those subscribers aren't on board. That capital isn't with the company. So it, it, it's an interesting conversation because it's, it's sort of two models, two completely different models that you're comparing against each other. Yeah, totally. no, that, 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 that sounds about right. Um, <clears throat> I think at the end of the day though, I am glad that they're getting the, the, the movie out there. Um, you know, the, the, the paywall aside, um, I think this is a good move for Disney. I think they need to have, um, this, uh, I, I don't think that this would have done well if they had waited, um, until, you know, all the cinemas were out. Um, you know, every day that you don't release it, you're losing money. Right. So I, I, I think it was a good move. Do you think, do you, okay, put it this way. Do you think they could, I, I still am, I still feel that they missed a huge opportunity with Black Widow. Like, I, I still feel as though, like, could they have created some behavior here with Black Widow that feeds into Mulan? I think like that- With the payment gateway, like at that point in time in March or whenever, I, I think at that point in time, people would have been thrown down for that. And could they have created that behavior a little bit more in the market? Uh, I think that that was a bit early to be looking at those kinds of gateways. I mean, if they had tried to do that with, for example, Onward or any of the other films, I reckon they would have hit pretty serious resistance. And I mean, you know, in terms of online streaming, they still have a lot of competition out there. Now, this is obviously one of their bigger, you know, tentpole films and 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 you know it is going to garner a lot of you know hype around it but it's not as if like there's no other movie on the market right um so i think that with with regards to like you know whether they should have started this earlier i don't see that as being a, a hugely benefit i don't see this as being a long-term strategy for them because they I'm are wanting... I, I was I'm wanting... just gonna say they are taking away a significant portion like i might be willing to to cough up for this one in ex, in a, you know these kinds of circumstances but if if this is the only way that i see disney films from here on in they can get fucked i'm, I'm just not interested in paying 50 bucks every time i want to see 40 50 bucks every time i want to see a, a, a um a disney film they're not that good i mean i'm not gonna like every almost almost every um you know, re Disney remake film that I have watched, live action Disney remake film that I've watched, I've either been like, eh, or severely hated. So, but, but in the same token, you are not one of those individuals that would necessarily pay for that. Like some other individuals, like you and I, we pay $55 every UFC, you know, and a lot of people like Ben would say, you're a fucking maniac. And that's the way I look at, the, you know, that's the way we look. So, you know, niches with markets, they, they're going to have yeah. their own, they're going to have their own, you know, what they're prepared to put their hard-earned dollars towards. And for you, the, the equation doesn't make sense. But I would say for a huge amount of people, it does. I don't Especially know that the people huge. that Disney Plus, uh, the people that Disney Plus is targeting families, I think this could go over well. I've seen a lot of, a lot of negative yeah. response to the price point of this among, uh, you know, internet commenters, which is largely out there, I'm sure. And I can understand that completely. And I, I feel the, the, yeah. the same um, for the most part, but um, that could be so many that's my point. That, that, for, that for me is like, you know, 50 bucks for mum and dad who on the weekend, their kids are going nuts. 50 bucks is like peace of mind for them, you know? Well, I mean, one of the other reasons that people go to cin cinemas is to get out of the house, right? Like, again, totally. we can't discount the fact that going to a cinema is a different experience. Yeah. I do think that again, Agreed. one off Mulan, this, I mean, I don't like it, but I, I, I get it, right? If this was the model that they were bringing in, particularly when everyone was just coming in, that's too big a barrier to enter, of entry to get onto these services, I reckon. I mean, particularly when other services are providing content that isn't um, paywalled like this, right? You know, every, every business that thinks that they can get away with this, eventually they can't, right? They can get away with it for a little bit, but I just don't see it uh, maintaining for that long. Yeah. Um, one interesting figure I saw just for some some context as to to Disney Plus and their, their viewership, and I'm this would probably just be American numbers, but um, uh, as you might be aware, because I've mentioned it a few times, Hamilton came out um, last month on on Disney Plus. Uh, that, that, that was way, another one. 
by the way, the week the week you fucking told me about Hamilton, my whole feed is Hamilton shit. You know that week when on the podcast you were like, "Have you heard of Hamilton?" George was like, "No." And then literally yeah. after the podcast, article, article, George, article, article. George, that's it's, it's listening. One of the biggest, that's because it's, it's one of the biggest fucking things in the world. How you hadn't noticed it before then blows my mind. Anyway, um, they released it on Disney Plus. It was meant to be a theatrical release next year. Um, instead, they just released it on Disney Plus for free. Um, and again, key difference there for free, but still, um, it was uh, viewed more than anything on Netflix for the entire month of July um, by like a factor of three, like hugely much more popular than anything Netflix released. And and Netflix did have a couple of big ones, like The Old Guard was a very successful for them as well. Um, overall, Netflix, you know, their um, their viewership and their market share is obviously more than Disney Plus. But in terms of just like individual releases, um, I think that might have emboldened them to do this as well. Yeah. So on another yeah. note, have you have you picked up Shutter? 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 Yes, I I have Shutter. <laughs> Having a good time? I, might I have not watched anything week. yet. I have not watched anything yet. I signed up immediately just because I've been waiting so long and I've just oh, got it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so comforted by having you're, this now. You're a shot a cuck. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's that's my one exception. Like, I just need that straight away. Yeah. Even if it, you know, we all have a streaming services we never watch. Um, there's there's none that I would Amazon call sacred Prime. that I wouldn't cancel, but uh, that one, that's the one I'm always going to kick. Amazon yeah, siphoning I'm... six dollars away from me every month or whatever. It is. <laughs> yeah. uh, if I didn't, if I didn't use Amazon Prime for other things, I, I'd be hard pressed around yeah. um, having that. But at least I can yeah. justify that by saying oh, I get access to all the other features of Amazon Prime. Can I just say how much I'm enjoying doing this podcast in bed? I know. <laughs> I, I mean, know. I I I figured I that I should be pants? a little bit more professional this time, and I actually got out of bed and entered my closet. So. <laughs> It's um, oh, it's gonna be weird when we start recording in person again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all, in George, all in George's bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the only way I'm doing this. Yeah. In snuggies. Excellent. Do we have any any more news? Is that pretty much it? Uh, just just the usual bits and bobs that no one cares about. Very cool. Uh, well, in that case, should we get on to uh, on to our movie book club number? 15. 15? 15? Nice. Oh, yeah. Um, you don't even have the doc open, do you, Connor? I don't. I doc. was winging that one. Doc? <laughs> what is this doc? Um, so, <laughs> can you ask? I was just asking these questions. <laughs> um, so, this this, uh, pick, this week, yeah, this is my pick. Um, I decided to go with uh, the Coen's brothers, uh, Fargo. Um, Fargo's. Coen's brothers, Fargo's. Coen. Cohen's brothers is Fargo, something like that. <laughs> um, I, I've always been a, a big fan of the Cohen brothers. Um, ever since I watched, um, what was uh, Oh Brother was Oh Brother Where Art That was I think the first um, Cohen brothers film that I, um, I ever saw, and I just, I mean, at the time I was a pretty big fan of bluegrass music, anyways. Um, and, uh, just the kind of like, it wasn't like any other films that I really watched. Um, so I was kind of instantly fascinated by it. Um, and ever since then, they've, they've kind of come out with some absolute bangers. Um, and so, but, but this was like a, a notable, um, uh, you know, notable exception to the, the Coen Brother films that I had watched and that I hadn't watched it. Um, so I was really keen to, um, to, to go back and, and check it out. And it was obviously good enough to, to then bring on like, I think what, four series now that have come to three, I think several right different now. Uh, levels of acclaim. Um, but yeah, so uh, what, what was your guys's, um, I guess, feelings going into this um had you seen it were you excited well uh, m much like you connor i had not seen this film but it was one that i sort of you know i sort of um what's the word ritually sort of hated myself for <laughs> you know having a movie podcast and never seeing fargo yeah sort of impo imposter syndrome and one of those films that you sort of feel like an imbecile for never seeing 
So I'm very glad that we, we've done this now. <laughs> and I guess my expectation, um, you know, the, the Coen brothers have a very distinct style whilst also being indistinct with each film being very unique and having its own very composed um, essence to it. Like there's a very, very strong feeling of... Mm. If you were to take like The Big Lebowski and No Country for Old Men, and like there's there's barely anything that you would say really brings them together. But if, if someone told you, oh, that's by the same directors, you'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I think they, they're very good at tailoring the essence of each project. And, hmm. and, and in terms of Fargo, I think that I was not expecting a dark comedy. I was expecting more of like a typical murder mystery. And this, this situation sort of unfolding, it's a very unfortunate, sad situation unfolding. Well, I was having moments of like some of these moments, I was like, why the fuck am I laughing right now? This is really bad. And, um, you know, they just, they just, they make, they, they add, they add the dark comedy to these really horrible moments and make you sort of question so many different things. And I think there's such something so beautiful about the way they put together these films. Um, you know, maybe I've given away my whole review there, but uh, I was going to say this was this is how did how did you feel going in? But <laughs> I felt great. I felt great going in <laughs> and coming out. <laughs> Good catch, Benny. You'd seen um, this before. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Many times, uh, the Coen Brothers. If I ever have to actually answer the question who my favorite director is, which I don't really like doing, then then I mention them straight away. Um, I think they were probably the first filmmakers that I really fell in love with after uh, I started getting into film when I was very young. Obviously, Tim Burton's a very easy gateway drug because he's such a distinct auteur that you can really tell a Tim Burton film um, yeah. really stands out. Um, and then the Coen brothers were kind of the the, the next guys that really uh, pulled me in. And I've loved just about everything I've seen from them. Um, this one, though, I think uh, was probably one of the early ones I saw of them. Um, I think I saw it in school. Um, and I remember being very unsure of how to feel about it. Like, as you just mentioned that George, why am I laughing? And it was solely because of the, uh, very interesting choice that, that we can get into, um, that they open this movie with a title card that says it's based on a true story. Um, yeah. and it really it's emphasizes that, that it's very, uh, accurately told. Um, and that so uh so importantly reframes how you watch all of the events that are happening into it and it's i've never read why they did it exactly but i, I remember I know. the first time i watched it for certainly being like this is odd and i feel a little disturbed by it so i mean this might be a good segue to get into it because that's obviously that title card has garnered a little bit of controversy particularly because at the end there's a big uh a, you know uh at, in in the credits there's a big thing saying this is a work of fiction um, mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of people that kind of came to that and were like, well, how does that work? Um, and the Gohan brothers essentially came back and said, um, it is based, like the events are based off of a crime, but the characters are fictionalized and then obviously the names are changed and like the scenario or like the scenario is there, the events actually happen, but the, the, the characters are completely fictional. And their justification for it about you know explicitly saying that this was something that was um a real a real story was to say that you can get away if people think it's a real story you can get away with things that um you might not otherwise be able to get away with and i i kind of love mm. that mentality because mm. watching something if you think it's a there's certain movies that you would watch and think um oh this is like it's total totally fanciful it's it's not real like this doesn't feel visceral or, or like you'd lose something but the knowledge that it's a real story and i i think about what's the um the film with tom cruise is a drug runner um i think it's like american made i think it's called american made yeah um which is i mean it's not a spectacular movie or anything i'm not you know anything like that but it, it is a true story and watching it if you didn't know it was a true story you'd think that this is totally ridiculous like the the, the insane shit that that went on in this guy's life and you'd be mm. watching this film being like this is totally unrealistic but knowing that it really happened you're kind of you're far more invested you're kind of like this is wild 
So I yeah, think that there is I, those movies really gain their power from you believing that they actually mm -hmm. happen like Ben Affleck's mm -hmm. Argo, which I think is a very average movie. But if you really think that the stuff in it was real events, you're like, wow, this yeah. is pretty amazing. Even though they're sort of real, <laughs> but, but you know, it's interesting. <laughs> they were pretty liberal with the truth on that one. It's mm -hmm. literally the, about three things I knew about this film was this by the Coen brothers, the, the sort of the snow setting and that title card, but I'd forgotten that. So when that came up on screen, I was like, Oh yeah, there's this, there's a bit of notoriety around this, the fact that they're playing with the audience expectations on this and going into the film. When that came up, it triggered that memory or that information that I was predisposed to. And I was looking at this as the opposite of what they were trying to do. Like I was looking at this as a work of fiction. I was looking at this as like the deconstruction of that idea. But it, 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 in terms of what this film's trying to say, I don't think it's really like one of those poignant elements to the piece like it's it's not sort of like trying to make some really great critique on these kind of films at least maybe maybe you guys have a different opinion well, there i've always kind of and maybe i'm just not nuanced oh, to see it but uh i've always kind of seen the coen brothers as as not really uh, having films that that were very poignant right that's kind of their style they're very just humanity they're, yeah they're, they're very nihilistic in a, in a, in a way you know, kind of, um, you know, uh, none of this has meaning. Like, and I think that um, Frances McDormand's uh, speech at the end of the film, um, when she's speaking to um, one of the main antagonists, yeah. is is kind of perfectly emblematic of that. With this, just kind of bafflement as you know, why would you, why would you commit this crime? And and the man obviously yeah. not having, uh, you know, a justification or response to that. I think that. You know, if we were looking mm. for some kind of poignant aspect of this, that's probably about as, as poignant as you're going to get, which is that there is no point um, that bad things happen and they yeah. happen to good people and they happen to bad people. Like, I mean, yeah. We'll, like, yeah. You're going it feels to me yeah. like they were just fucking with everyone, which I think lends into that idea perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great point. And this main character is a character who is somebody who's tried seems to have a real big chip on their shoulder somebody who's got you know tried to make things work and concocted this plan that is just spiraling out of control as it and you know this this is done with with good intentions in the end but this good intentions <laughs> he wanted to kidnap well, he, his well, wife what <laughs> i'll i'll, I'll uh, let your wife know that that's what you consider good intentions yeah, yeah. Ash, Ash. <laughs> but do you know what i mean like i think in the end he was thinking that hey this was going to work out for the best in the end yeah and, i think and not, that... and not necessarily that you're on his side or at any point in this film and 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 you don't really feel sorry for this character you just feel like this guy's a fucking idiot well He's i certainly do feel perfect weasel yeah, I, I do kind of feel weird. sorry for him in that in that he is that kind of that that person that that doesn't really have he doesn't really um, get it he doesn't get yeah. it and 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 I suppose that's a uh, as good a, a way to put it as any um, so like he doesn't I, get I do the have investment certain... side of things like he's asking for an investment and he has no idea about yeah like how this works so you know he, he's got good intentions but like the the I, I don't know maybe maybe Betty's laughing at me with this. Good yeah. <laughs> well, I, I definitely don't he, feel sorry he, for him. And I don't he's think a he very interesting character. I think he's a very effective character in that even though he's an absolute piece of shit and you don't sympathize with him, you can absolutely feel the screws tightening on him and it makes yeah. it so tense to watch this situation get worse and worse. Yes. Not that any of us presumably would ever find ourselves in one like it. I mean, this movie is such a fantastic anti-crime PSA. It's like, don't do this shit because this feels like the worst thing in the world. It reminded me a bit of Uncut Gems, where at least mm. in Uncut Gems, the character feels a little more in control. Um, like in this yeah. one, he's like very out of control. Like he is stuck in yeah. the middle. And I mean, um, you, you do get the sense of like, with William H. Macy, I mean, it's, it's, he's kind of the babe in the woods in the sense of like, you don't think that he has this kind of strong sense of malice. Like he, he never presents mm. as like, he just presents as a weak person. Um, he really reminds me of um, uh, in Rick and Morty uh, the Jer Jerry character. <laughs> yeah, is, is a perfect. It, it's it's that kind yeah. of character, right? It's it's not someone that's like it, it, they're not evil by you know direct malice. They're evil by their passiveness. They're evil by just being spineless little fucks. 
I would not um, be surprised at all if Jerry was inspired by this character. That's yeah, a good easily. Um, really good analogy, yeah. So I think that I, I, I love how they portrayed that character. Um, Steve Buscemi in this is fantastic. Um, uh, kind of funny looking. Kind of funny looking. I, I love that that's a common theme throughout that. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And just, you know, without... Where he rocks up at the end, where he's just like... What, what, I, I can't recall, but he's like, he's just kind of like, yeah, I fucking killed her. Or, oh, no, no, sorry. So she was dead, and he's just like, it's just like a very everyday conversation, you know, like, it's a little bit of a um, inconvenience, you know. I think the, at that the, point, yeah. The relationship between him and Peter Stormare's character is just the, one of the most perfect encapsulations of just fucking hating someone's guts so much without ever committing it to any dialogue or anything. It's just him, like, listening to this, like a little motor mouth asshole go off and he's just like dying. Yeah. These, the, these guys, the Coen brothers, like they know how to write characters. And I know that's like uh, really reiterated a million times. It's probably a redundant statement, but each of these characters along the way, Francis McDormand's character, everyone, I remember them. They're memorable. What it is, what, it, what is the actual bullet point list of how they do that? It's very, very interesting. Like they, 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 it's hard to really diagnose what is exactly the Coen brothers way to create those mm. extra level of characters from a filmmaking technique side of things. And I think they just have those little idiosyncratic moments that you have in life. Like even with Francis McDormand at the end, like it's a hilarious scene. She's pointing the gun and the guy's like, and, 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 you know, she's like pointing at her cat. Mm. And I can imagine myself doing that. Like I, I'm kind of like one of those people where it's like those, those, those moments in, in society are kind of like, you know, you're like, oh, do I, do I do this? Like, you know, and, and I think those little moments are what makes these characters feel so real. Yeah. You know what step one is for all of their great characters in every movie they make is uh, amazing names. Go through a list after this of all the Coen Brother character names. They are absolutely fantastic. My, my one of my main online handles is actually Chad Feldheimer, which is Brad Pitt's character from oh, um, yeah, Burn yeah. After Reading. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. That is a porn star name. Um, yeah. Can we just from like I mean obviously um, really really well written characters, but can we just point out how fucking good Francis McDormand and William H Macy are as in, in terms of actors? Um, this is one of those movies where you watch it and you just kind of get, you know, blown away by just how good some of these actors are and how good Francis McDormand is and, and William H. Macy, which I think, I don't think that they get their, their proper kudos, um, you know, as kind of like, you know, actors in, in, in today's, I guess, landscape. I, I was like, there's this one scene where they're interacting in William H. Macy's office and um, I'm looking at Francis McDormand's face and I'm like, I can imagine people, this is the thought that occurred to me in that, with that piece of dialogue she's giving. I can imagine you being 15 years old and your acting teacher saying to you, you've got something special because the way she moves her eyes, the way she expresses things like it's, she knows how to deliver the line so perfectly. Mm. It's quite phenomenal. And she's done some awesome projects as well. Like, I mean, that, that certainly does. She's worked with some fucking ace directors. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's funny to watch, um, you know, Three Billboards, for example, um, which came out, what, two years ago? Um, and to see, like, I was, you know, you'd kind of expect for a movie that came out 10 years after Fargo, be like to see how much she had advanced. And I was just like, she still had it back then. She's as good in Fargo as she was in three billboards. Like she has been consistently fucking amazing. Um, which is, uh, I'm assuming why she got, um, or she at least nominated for um, an Oscar that year. I, I would assume so. Yeah. But yeah, and I just, I just wanted to point out how good those two were. And one of the things that I read was that William H. Macy was, was actually brought in for a smaller part. Um, mm. And I'm not sure which part specifically, but you know, have, uh, the, the directors having seen him were like, this guy's good, like we like his style. And they, they eventually put him into the role of Jerry. Francis McDormand also shows up a lot later in this movie than I remembered. Yeah. I didn't check yeah. the actual time code, but it felt like 45 minutes in. Yeah, it was, it was at least minutes. 30 or 40 minutes in. I think yeah. about, th I, I remember looking at it, and I think it was about 35 or 38. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, which is they, they manage. Oh yeah. Oh, go ahead, George. No, you go. You go. I, I just it, they so effectively endear you, endear you to her, even though she's not like the first act of the film. Um, yeah. she just immediately becomes the heart of it. Uh, yeah. I think the relationship between her and her husband, especially, is so fantastic. You love them yeah. absolutely. Um, I think also another thing that I loved about this film was it was shot on celluloid as everything was back then but um there's some beautiful photography towards the beginning of this with just literally a street at night time with light shining down and the pavement glistening with just you know um liquid water whatever and it's and it, and it, it's just like man you know, as I'm getting more into, you know, I started a little video company last year, as I'm getting more into the technical side of filmmaking, you know, you see a shot like that and, and the way celluloid film works, you know, like it, it just can't be done. It can't be done in digital. And there's just something so beautiful about it. And then looking at that, that scene with Francis McDormand and, and William H. Macy, you know, those scenes are committed to these bits of physical film. And it's like this, this really, in, I don't know, I just really get off on this process and this, like, this actual tangible, like, there's something almost, like, inked in paper. It's more like that. It's, like, there's sort of a Word document that we get with our digital cameras. It's more like an ink paper. And obviously, you know, like, did they, I love digital. David Finch is one of my favorite film directors. This isn't a film versus digital conversation. This is a, hey, I love these aspects of film. And when this is done well, you know, I just get this overall sense of romanticism and love of movies and this experience. Like, even though I'm watching it at home, I just get this great feeling. And the Coen brothers, I'm not sure if um, Deacons um, was cinematographer on this, but I know they work extensively with him and it's just a beautiful piece. Yeah, this was Deacons, the absolute goat. Um, yeah. I, there's just, there's no one like him. I mean, for so much of this movie, he's working with... Uh, an almost entirely white canvas. It's just these these snowfields that he somehow makes just look immaculate with these this, these kind of um, perfectly locked in frames. Um, I I'm always in awe of how his movies look. I'm yeah. gonna listen to his podcast. I'm gonna listen I, um, to that after this. I uh, I also really love like just opening shot. Um, it kind of there's some movies that you can tell within the first, I'd say 20 seconds, 20, 30 seconds that you're going to love. Mm. Um, and this was one of them for me. Um, not a particularly amazing shot or like anything, but just seeing the landscape, seeing the cinematography and hearing the music and knowing that it was a Coen Brothers movie, like 20 seconds in, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this film. Yeah. Like, uh, another no great score from Carter Burwell on, uh, on yeah. Movie Book Club. Um, it's kind of sparsely used in this film, but it really suits it so well. Yeah. And um, and even just even even going into the first five minutes, the the dialogue between William H Macy and Steve Buscemi is so well done um, mm. that I mean it just it kind of it puts you at a sense of ease. You're like, oh, these are people that know what they're doing. And um, I think this film would be a different experience on second viewing. You know those interactions. You you, mm. you know it's and it's it's a very it's it's really interesting because it's a very particular style of conversation that they're having right it's a very um rural um kind of midwest uh sensibility um which is what obviously what it's famous for the the minnesotan accent um but that's the kind of conversation that i grew up with um you know up in uh up in alberta um which is uh, a little bit north of <laughs> uh of minnesota but um yeah it's it like this kind of you know the the um, the white backdrop and the the conversational style and a little bit of the accent. I was like, I was starting to feel homesick. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Um, but I th I just think it was so well done. Um, I was I was really a big fan of this film. One negative that I would say from this, if there's any one, that it was funny how your expectation with the film can kind of. You know, like that, that's what I was sort of alluding to before. The next time I watch it, I think I will enjoy Fargo even more because I understand what's going on with this piece. Like there's always that, that you know, that classic film where you're like, I know this is going to be great, but why is it great? And yeah. You're waiting for either the big twist or the big explosion and or something. 
and there wasn't necessarily that like there's big moments in this and and i love this film um but it's like it's sort of like once it's all said and done you know it's not a sort of simple hey this is about this this and this this is like um i've got to kind of sit down and think about it yeah it's not like uh well what did we just watch um before itchy it was a starship troopers or sorry yeah. to bother you those are yeah. movies that you're like oh i get it like starship troopers is about rampant fascism and um you know uh sorry to bother, uh, sorry to bother you, yeah. you is really about the dark side of capitalism like yeah. these are very poignant obvious films um whereas this one you, i mean the the lack of poignancy is kind of the whole point yeah um and no again knowing that it's a um a uh, a Coen Brothers film. It's kind of like trying to describe really any of their films. Like if you try to describe The Big Lebowski or if you try to describe um, No Country for Old Men, that's a particularly mm. difficult one I find to like, what's the yeah. point of No Country for Old Men? Uh, it's a great film. I don't know. Like yeah. I don't have a, I don't have yeah. a really good it's way really to like, describe it. Um, it's very true. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always on board for, for Coen Brothers. Um, you know, Ballad of Buster Scruggs was much the same. Um, and I, I had a lot of fun with that as well. So yeah, I was glad to round out uh, one of the classics. Yeah, um, super enjoyable. Just a, a, a fun little anecdote. I don't know if you guys noticed this um, about this film. Um, for maybe some younger listeners out there, there was a period in the 90s where the uh, musical artist Prince changed his name to a funny little symbol. Yep. Um, artist formerly known as Prince. Is how everyone had to refer to him um, in, in words. Uh, and one of the, uh, the characters in this film, I think it's um, the shooting victim uh, in, the, in the snow, is credited uh, in, the, in the credits of this film as the Prince symbol with a little smiley face in it. Um, <laughs> this, the smiley face is almost impossible to notice. I was watching this with someone and they were like, was Prince in this movie? And we had to, to look up the whole story behind it. But That's yeah, it was just so that. Good. It's a storyboard artist who works with the Coen brothers and was just for, for went his, uh, his actual name in the credits for the, the Prince symbol. <laughs> That's yeah. fun. I love that. How good. So weird. Good That's little fun. discussion point. Mm. Awesome. Um, any other comments about Fargo? No, it seems Very pretty enjoyable. Inclusive. Have, have like either that. of you watched the the subsequent series with Billy Bob Thornton and and the rest of the gang? Yeah, I watched the first se- season, which was awesome. That was what was that? When did that come out? Twenty fourteen or something, right? It's a yeah, while ago. Like that. Yeah, I'm yeah, like fantastic that stuff. Fantastic oh, stuff. Fucking absolutely do Connor. All three seasons are amazing, and yeah, they're all awesome. kind of like separate stories. But they're not Coen Brother productions, are they? No, Noah Hawley is the showrunner for that, the guy who did uh, Legion, another amazing show. Gotcha. Um, all right, who's next? I can't actually remember who. This guy. Oh, Benny. All right, Benny, lay on to us your pick. Um, Make it a musical. Georgie, my layout of um, where we are on the screen is obviously very different to yours, so it looked like you were just pointing to your junk when you said that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this well, guy! I mean, I, 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 mean, I was. But... I would like to know his pick, to be honest. Hey, What's going on, George Jr.? Yeah, man, I've got a fucking hectic movie for you this week. Woo! Where is your dick from? Where did it grow up? Did it have like a different kind of upbringing than you? Did he grow up in another continent? Ben, take her. That's all right. Um, I will actually be taking the pick and I'm going to choose something completely out of left field. This week we will be watching uh, Swiss Army Man, directed by Daniels. Yes. Starring Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano. This is another Um, one that has been on my back burner for so long and I haven't gotten. So this is really good that I basically have to watch it. So sick. So sick. How good. Do you have have any um, supplementary uh, readings? Or a, I actually movie. don't. This movie is very one of a kind. I really have nothing else that I could bear with this. Do you remember the director on this, Benny? Daniels. It's two guys, both called Daniel, and they go by Daniels. Mm. They're music video go. guys, uh, which should become evident in the film. Very cool. How excellent. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that you didn't go with a musical. That's fair. I'm so glad. Um, it's just, it's not going to work. I'm not going to be able to no, convince George. It's not going to work. Thank well, you don't have to convince me. He just has to do it. 
<laughs> Imagine That's if I choose a musical next week. I can do it. No. Right. There's got to be a musical out there that you would willingly watch. I'm sure, there's one. Are you and you say you don't like musicals? There's all these exceptions to it. You love all the oh, Disney stuff, and they they're all musicals. They're all completely musicals. That's true. Yeah, Lion King is a musical. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back next week for it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm really excited with that pick, Ben. I'm really oh, pumped. Yeah. I'm going to try and dial in. I'm I'm, I'm going to try and dial in a couple of horror movies this week. Yeah, actually, nice. bring something to the table. <laughs> Excellent. All right, gents. Much love. <laughs> Stay metal. All right. Bye. Catch you guys. See you. <laughs>